Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pine Hills Church Podcast. My name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors around Pine Hills Church. And we're really excited because we've officially, at this point, celebrated the launch of Pine Hills Church, at least our Sunday gathered expression of what the church looks like. We have community groups that meet during the week, and then we have a larger Sunday gathering because we know that those are different entry points for people to encounter the community of God and to begin to take steps into the community of God. And so we know both those things are really important, but we also know that there's just something special when we gather together to worship God, to gather around the scriptures, and for us as a community, pretty soon gathering around the bread and the cup and just celebrating, reminding ourselves of what Jesus has done for us and what that means for our life as we continue in the rest of the week. And so it's really fun to just gather together as family. We believe that as we grow in community, we become family and families celebrate really well. And so we did that with Gelato and that was really exciting. But we also kicked off a new series called Jesus Is. And over the next few weeks, we're just looking at just different things that we believe characterize Jesus's nature. But at the end of the day, you need to kind of fill in that blank for yourself. And I'm reminded of this when Jesus is walking along with one of his early followers, Peter, and he asked Peter, hey, what do people say about me? And Peter kind of rattles off all this, this, all these rumors on the street, what people are saying about Jesus. And Jesus asked him just pointed, pretty pointedly, he says, now, who, do you, who do you say that I am? And, and Peter responds, I believe you're the son of God. And so Peter had to respond for himself and he had to fill in that blank peter who do you who do you say that i am and i believe jesus asked us the same thing over time that we need to fill that in for ourselves like who do we believe jesus to be who does who is he becoming for us or to us and so no matter where we end up on that faith spectrum wherever we believe about jesus we all fill in that blank with something and so over the next few weeks we're just reflecting on who Jesus is and asking our community to really prayerfully consider who Jesus is in their own life. And so with that, this week, we're just reflecting on something I believe is really important for each of us. And that that's just a piece of hope. We need hope in our life. And I believe that Jesus is our hope. And so let's just reflect on some stories from the scriptures, some of my story, and just reflect on what your story might look like as well. Starting in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, it says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and he taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, which is to kill her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and he wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with a woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Let's just take a collective breath for a second. This is a pretty hard story. 
It was a tough cultural moment. And I just want to help you to connect a little bit with the undertones that are happening within the story because I want you to feel the feels. I want you to imagine having a secret shame exposed to a whole crowd of people, what that would feel like. Imagine trying to find a sense of fulfillment, love, and belonging, but trying to find these th things in places that only last a moment but leave you feeling crushed and empty. Imagine being caught up in the act in an act that was illegal at the time that carried a punishment of death, but the only person actually being called to give an account for this crime is a, is a woman, meaning the offending male is just nowhere to be found in this story. It feels like injustice. There's a lot going on. We need to feel the depth of emotions that are charging the scene. We need to feel our own brokenness, regret, shame in this story. And we need to feel the embarrassment of being called out publicly in front of people. We need to hear the judgmental whispers of others. We need to smell the dirt that this woman is standing in. And as Jesus is kicking up as he's writing around in the sand with his finger, just imagine the scene. Put yourself there. Try to use all of your sensories to put yourself in the story. That's what we need to be doing with all of Scripture is put, placing ourselves in these different narratives, where do we fit in and what might God be saying to our stories as we imagine ourselves within these stories? I know my little girls do this all the time as well. Every time we watch a movie, they put themselves in the story and they begin to enact it in their own life. And so we need to, in a sense, do this with scripture to place ourselves within the text and allow the text to speak to our situation. And what's crazy in this story with this girl is that these so-called religious leaders who should have been reflecting the very nature and heart of God are actually using her as a pawn in order to get Jesus to trip up into something that would, they could use to bring a case against him to condemn him to death. They didn't care about her. They had another agenda. And this was a way that they could play out their agenda. And again, these should have been the very people of God. So imagine all of this stuff that's just playing out, all this controversy. I'm surely this lady, she's just sick to, in her stomach with shame and fear. Surely she's imagining that this is the end of her story. She's going to face a very painful and public execution. She's feeling hopeless. And Jesus' response is shocking in this moment. He says, okay, recognizing that she's guilty, recognizing that all of her actions up to that point have caused death in her own soul that have led up to the possibility of her own physical death. But Jesus continues, you can carry this out, but on one condition. Whoever hasn't sinned can throw the first stone to condemn her. And I know we have cultural baggage around that sin word, but again, sin in the Bible is really anything that leads us to death. Things that we allow into our life that bring spiritual death to us, sometimes physical death, but sometimes break relationships that bring death to other people. And so it hurts us. It hurts our relationship with God. It hurts our relationship with ourselves. It hurts our relationship with other people. That's what sin is. And that's that's a proper definition. So we don't need to run from that, even if our culture has baggage with that but jesus says whoever has hasn't sinned throw the first stone you can condemn her whoever hasn't attempted to find love acceptance and fulfillment anything other than god 
whoever is guiltless, whoever is truly free of accusation, then they can go first. They can throw the first stone. But as the story is playing out, she's probably closing her eyes. She's sick to her stomach. She's so scared. She's trembling in fear. All these sounds are happening, these whispers of judgment. And all of a sudden, just person after person is dropping a stone to the ground. Again, that's kicking up dirt. So just put yourself in the scene. Stone after stone is falling to the ground as the crowd is eventually dispersed one by one. And there is one person in this scene that can actually condemn her. And that's the only person that's left with her. And that's Jesus. That's Jesus. But Jesus doesn't condemn her. In fact, Jesus extends grace and the possibility of a new life. He offers her great her grace that she doesn't deserve. In light of the grace that is offered, he tells her to go and to sin no more. Go and live out the life you have been offered by finding your life in God's ways and not in all the other things that have condemned you to death and have been killing your soul all along. Again, to live into God's ways is to live into things that actually bring fulfillment and life, and that's what God has for us. He's not holding back anything from us. He's trying to keep us from stuff that he knows will destroy us as people. So he's offering hope and a Imagine the feeling of hope that starts to break into this girl's life. Imagine the hope that can break into your life. See, Jesus consistently reveals that there is hope that is on offer from him. He's offering hope to people who otherwise people would not offer hope to. He's offering hope to you, maybe in a cultural moment, that if people really knew the deepest parts of you. Maybe you feel like you would just be canceled or thrown away. You feel like everything and everyone else doesn't have a path for redemption for you, a reconciliation. Maybe in moments of weakness, you're trying to find love, fulfillment, acceptance, grace, all these things, but you find it in things that actually can't ever really produce that in your life and that just feels hopeless to you. See, Jesus is offering hope to you this resonates in my story because I grew up hearing all the stories about Jesus. But I also grew up in an environment that formed me to believe that that God was he's good, but at times had a very high standard. And when you didn't meet that standard, he's often pretty disappointed with you. Or maybe even would cause things to happen in your life as punishment. And that's not a proper view of God. And again, that's something I had picked up over time that had been formed in me. Uh, and maybe that's just the cultural moment of the day. I'm not really sure. It's hard to really unwind that. But I know that in my that view of God, like it was really scary to run to God when things weren't going so well and when I was making bad decisions for my own life. When I went through some pretty hard things, some pretty traumatic experiences, some of them not my doing, some of them my doing. But the way of coping with that was falling into the wrong things, of using things to just numb, to do away with the thoughts, to do away with the emotions, just to have a good night. Like I I'd made all kinds of shameful decisions. But God in his grace continued just to love me and continued to guide my path, guide my story, continued to put up with all of my questions all of my accusations against him. How could a good God allow some of these things to happen in my life that are traumatic and hard for me to cope with, to deal with, for me to wrap my mind and my emotions around? And God continued to be patient in that moment. And then God in his grace 
continued to just pursue me and he continued to lead me in my story. And he led me back to reconnect with some old church leaders that, you know, that were pretty important in my story. One in particular just invited me along to the church community that he was part of, that he was working in a bit. And I remember just coming along and just hearing these new ideas of who God, that God's full of love and grace. God meets me where I'm at, that God has plans for me, that I've actually not thrown away all of those things, that I have worth and meaning. And that was important in my my soul. That was important with the things that I was wrestling with. And I remember being part of this gathering and I remember God working all these different ideas out in me. And I remember having this just kind of just conversation. I feel like it was just a conversation in my head where I felt like I was, I was wrestling with this good idea of who God was. I wanted to accept God's grace so much. I wanted to accept what was on offer from Jesus. But it was really hard because I knew who I was. I knew who I was when no one else was around. I knew the deepest, darkest thoughts in my soul and in my spirit. I know things I had done that I would have rather ignored or wish I had never participated in. But God, God still continued to show love. And I remember just having this thought, like, how could God love someone like me? How could God care for someone like me? I remember him just kind of whispering this this passage into my mind just to, to open my Bible that I had been reading a lot in that part of my story, just looking for something that would fulfill because everything else that I was running after, these goals that were kind of handed to me by culture, that if you get these things in your life, you will find fulfillment and love and you'll find all the things you're looking for. It actually doesn't actually bring about those things. And I was feeling pretty angry and rejected and hurt and broken. And I remember just having God just kind of whisper, like open your Bible to Ephesians 2. And so for skeptics, you might think that that's kind of crazy, but this is my story, so I don't really care. So Ephesians 2, here's what it says. I opened the Bible and it just hit me in a moment. I needed to really hear it. And that's how I can attribute it to God because... I couldn't have just stumbled across it on my own. I needed and I heard it at, in a particular community at a particular moment in my story that all these things just aligned. And when I read these words, it meant everything to me. And these words said, say, you you lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near him through the blood of Christ. And this scripture resonated with such a deep space in my soul. I had been living in such hopelessness, feeling like I was so far from God that I could not have a relationship with God. If God only knew, he would not offer me hope. But yet Jesus still, he knows everything. He knows the deepest, darkest secrets. He knows the lowest moments. He knows all the questions, the doubts, all of those things. Jesus still offers hope. When I was felt unlovable and rejected, Jesus accepted me. When I hid myself behind a wall of deception, that God wouldn't love someone like me, Jesus brought me close. He brought me close. I didn't have to clean myself up in order to get to him. He met me in my brokenness, and he brought me close to who he was and all of his goodness. When I didn't think I could ever change, God slowly, over time, began to help me to change. And I still got a long way to go, and he's helping me all along the way. When I had lots to deconstruct, he lovingly helped me to reconstruct something better in my life. 
a better worldview, a better understanding, better relationship with him, with all the false understandings of who God was in my mind, he through experience and through the truth of the scriptures and through the love of a community who loved me despite my rough edges, reformed in me a proper view of the world, a proper view of myself, a proper uh, view of who I could be. And that's amazing truth. And that could be true of your story too. Because if it's on offer for me, it's on offer for you. Let's keep going. Let's jump up back, back a few other verses. Ephesians 2 verse 4 through 10, it says, But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. There is so much truth that is packed in such a short passage. And I would encourage you just get your own Bible and just to sit with God in the quiet of a day. Whenever you can find some quiet, read through Ephesians chapter two and just invite God to come speak these words over you and help you to reflect on what this is in your own story. But there's so much stuff that's packed in here. And I love that Jesus just, he meets us. He offers us this grace. He offers us this kindness so that he can point to us. That he can point to us. That he can point to the work that he does in our life as an example in future generations. What does that mean? Maybe you have a rough family story and maybe God starting to work in your life enables your family to go in a completely different way. Maybe your life today is going in the wrong direction, but maybe responding to the invitation of Jesus begins to help you to go a completely new way and it changes everything for you. Changes your marriage, changes your family, changes you personally, changes your friends, changes your work environment, changes everything. Isn't that a good thing? That should be something we desire. And God wants to do this and God can do this, but God also gives us free will. God doesn't force himself on us. God wants to live in partnership with us. He wants to live in relationship with us. And so this is on offer, the ability to be his masterpiece, his handiwork. So I want you to think, we live in Bend, Oregon. So if you don't know what Bend, Oregon looks like, go Google Bend, Oregon. It's a beautiful spot. There's lots of mountains. I love living here with all the mountains. And when I see the mountains, I really reflect on the grandeur and goodness of God. That's, that's what helps me. A lot of people sometimes look at the mountains and they just see the beautiful mountains. They don't see the thing that they're meant to actually point to, which is God. But I think that these mountains are so beautiful. Every time I get a chance to go hike or look at them, I just think they're so beautiful. And I think at the same time, God points to us. And he says, you're my beauty. You're my masterpiece. When I did this whole thing in creation, creating all of this beauty, oceans and trees and mountains, 
rivers, all these beautiful things. They're beautiful. But God looks at you and he says you're beautiful because God can see things in you that we can't see in ourselves. God believes things about us that we can't believe in ourselves quite yet. And God, in his hands, if we put ourselves in his hands, he'll slowly begin to work these things out in our life to help us to become more and more like who he's created us to be. And so when we think of masterpiece, I also think of a sculptor who starts with like a really rough block of rock, right? And so over time, this sculptor can see this thing that's in this block of stone and they slowly start chiseling away piece by piece by piece and they start to reveal more and more of what that looks like and slowly more and more people can start to see this thing take on an image and it starts to reveal something this is what god is doing in our life he's coming along and we might just look like to everyone else just a common block of stone but god looks at us and he says you're a masterpiece and in his hands, as we trust in him over time for a lifetime, he slowly chisels away the habits and the practices that aren't bringing about life, the attitudes that have become just so commonplace for us that don't bring about life, all of these different things that we've believed in that aren't true, things that we believe about him that aren't true. And he starts to chisel it away over time as we adopt new practices, as we learn new things about God and new new ideas of who he really is. And we begin to do this life with him every day, just practicing and trusting obedience before him. God, this is my life. And I give you just the ability to come and do what you want to do through my life. Make me into who you want to make me lead and guide me as you promised that you would. And over a lifetime, he brings out this beautiful, just masterpiece. So just go Google pictures of just beautiful sculptures and to go see famous ones from around the world that started off as a really rough piece of stone where no one else could see that but the artist. God is an artist and God wants to use you as his piece, as his masterpiece. He wants to create something beautiful and that's a pretty wonderful offer. We don't find that really anywhere else. Like when we look at the things we typically place our hope in, are they bringing about something beautiful? When we think about the stories that we've been living in and that we've been living out, are they bringing about something beautiful? Or is it bringing about something else? And I don't want to create judgment. I'm not creating any of that. I'm just trying to get you to reflect because a lot of us buy into narratives. Even when we're inside the church, we buy into narratives that actually don't bring about hope. Take all of your practices and habits, all of the rhythms of your life right now. If you continue in those things, in the same beliefs, in the same practices, doing all the same things, like where do, what does your life look like 10 or 20 years from now? What does it look like 40 years from now? Is it something beautiful? Because I promise you, if you put your, your faith, your trust in Jesus and this thing that's on offer, you can actually experience something so different. And it becomes beautiful. It's beautiful for today. It's beautiful for you. It's beautiful for everyone else around you. It's going to be a beautiful life. But you've got to trust in God. And so I just want to invite you into some practices. I don't, I don't know where you're at, but I want you to pause and reflect. And maybe this is in prayer right now in the moment. Maybe you just pause this episode and just sit in the quiet and just reflect with God. Where are you placing your hope? What stories are you inhabiting that are driving your life? 
or you just kind of broken by fake stories that have actually led to like everything just kind of falling apart. Pause and reflect because Jesus wants to meet you in the midst of that. He wants to offer you hope. He wants to bring about new life in you. And it starts by just saying, you know what, Jesus, I want to take you up on that offer. And I want to begin to walk that life. And you might be thinking, well, what does that look like? One, like continue to pray this thing out, but continue just to, to receive, God, I accept this grace that you have for me. And if you begin to read and discover more stuff about who Jesus is, you can just open a Bible or get a Bible app and start reading in Matthew and just read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just get a, a visual for who Jesus is. Get that in your bones and then come be part of a community. If that's if that's our community, that's wonderful. Plug in and become a part, but get in a community that puts Jesus at the center, that helps you to become more and more like Jesus over time because that's who God's created you to be in your own special and unique way with all the gifts that God has placed in you in the midst of your city. But connect with a Jesus community. Don't buy into the lie that I can just do the spiritual thing all by myself. You cannot. God has not created you that way. God has created you in his very own image. And in himself, he's a community with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And that's a really big concept. But what that really means is community. It's a, self, a self-supporting, like loving community. And God invites us into that. We get to participate in that. And so if we're created in that image, we were created to live in community. So we need to do this together because we're actually better together. And if you want to continue to have a conversation about what does it look like to to follow Jesus and to begin to practice the way, what does that look like? For one, like you can reach out through the website, get in conversation with us, and we can go get a coffee or something and just kind of start to chat that out to place where you are in the map of your spiritual journey and what a next step might be for you. You could go download the Pine Hills Bend app. There's actually a ton of resources in there for you. If you're a new follower, just a few conversations to kind of get the conversation started or to begin to like walk out the basics of the faith. What does it look like to read scripture and to pray? What does it look like to really understand the big story of God and the Bible? What does it look like to know a new identity following him? All these conversations are loaded into that app. And again, there's plenty of opportunities to reconnect with us so that we can continue to be in conversation with you. Uh, And that's there just as a resource to supplement gathering in person in a community, whether that's a small group in the week or whether that is the larger gathering on the weekend. And so this is the community that we want to be. We want to be a community that grapples with who Jesus is and what that means for our lives, for our community, and for our city. And so we want to be a community that practices the way of Jesus together. We want to experience the renewal of our souls as they catch their breath in Jesus. And we want to live as witnesses to point others to the renewal of things that are actually on offer through Jesus. And so that's the invitation for you this week is just to go dive into these passages, John chapter 8 or Ephesians chapter 2. Just get these deep in your soul to reflect on and to interact with who God is in prayer and if you need more help of what this looks like to like jumpstart your, your faith journey, your Jesus journey, or just to kind of say, hey, here's what I've been doing for a while. What else can I do next in my, my journey to continue to grow into what God has for you? Be in conversation with us. Reach out, pinehillschurch.org. We would love to talk with you. If you're local, please come to a gathering. We're there on the south end of town at 4 p.m. on Sundays. Again, you can find all of those information on the website, but we just appreciate you listening to 
this week's episode. We can't wait to see you in the next conversation. Have a great week. We're praying for you. Bye. Bye.